This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. It's my incredible schuss now, as we all gather here in this space, Medrash, to welcome the Rosh Hashiva who came to visit and to share Divrei Torah with us this morning, Rav Aaron Lopiansky. Rav Aaron is an incredible leader of American Jewry. He is somebody who thinks broadly and deeply at the same time. Um, it's a schuss that I have, that his Sefer Yesodei HaTorah, which is, which is on, on the Parshios HaShavua, every Yesodistic, primary Rishon and Achron, on the, on the, uh, on, on the chiefly Rishonim, on the Parshios HaShavua, that I, I have a Chavrusa every week with, uh, with a neighbor of mine. We learn Yesodei HaTorah because it's so incredibly fundamental to be able to have in a clear way everything that, that, uh, everything that comes out from the Parsha Sashavua that, that a thinking Jew should, should have on their minds. There are many more Sfarim that Rav Aaron has written and uh, he's an incredible leader of, of, of American Jewry, of world Jewry. It's a schuss to have him here at NCSY Kolo. And without further ado, a cover to introduce Rosh Hashiva Rav Aaron morning. It's, uh, it's incredible hashkacha uh, that an American Yid comes to Israel to be inspired by American Bachrim. And to see base Medrash like this with Bachrim so obviously turned on, so obviously alive, um, Yiddishkeit becomes from something flat to something three-dimensional, four-dimensional, is, is really something that inspires everybody. Ashreichem, that you were zochetit, and uh, I feel fortunate to be here with everyone. At some point soon, the summer, your summer, the summer program here, comes to an end, and it's time to think a little bit about going forward, and thinking what changed, what do you take away from an experience like this? I'd like to try to put it in my words. I'm sure everyone will put it in their words and through the lens of their experience. But I'd like to sort of process it through my feelings. In one of the kinnis, it speaks about the um, different mishmaros, kahuna, they had the Kohanim were divided into 24 different groups, and each one was two weeks a year at Diravoda. And the kinna goes through every single one of them, and some note about the name of that group, and what exactly was, um, you know, some particular aspect of the Chorvim. But what struck me was, the introductory phrase. It says that the Kashanelam, the, the, um, when it became mute, the Ron of the Nose Aron. The Ron means the song 
of the no say Aron means those who carried the Aron Kodesh. It means the Leviim became silent. When the Beis Hamikdash was Kharov, there was no more song, there was no more Shir. And this Shira was said by the Nose Aron, the people who carried the Aron. It rhymes, it does. Ron and Aron. But does it have anything, any other meaning but just a rhyme? Yes, the Levian carried the Aron. They hadn't carried the Aron really for hundreds of, hundreds of years before the Khorban. We were settled in Shalayim. They said Shira. Those who carried the Aron actually did not say the Shira. Why, what meaning is there in lumping together the people who carried the Aron and the song of, and, and the song of theirs? The Rome from the Nose Aron. There's a Chazal that's striking because again it strikes both these chords. It says that by Uzzah, when they, when they captured the Aron Kodesh, the David Amalek had cows, oxen, bring it back. It says in the Pasuk, Batashorna HaParos, they made a beeline and they headed back, actually from Bet Shemesh to Yerushalayim, they headed back the oxen. Chazal say, Batashorna HaParos, they said Shira, because they were carrying the Aron. That's very, very striking. Same idea. The, these, were, these are animals. They have no seichel. But carrying the Aron somehow evoked Shira. So there is something here that's very reminiscent of it. But what is it? What exactly is it? So, I'd like to think a minute about what makes people tick. What makes people go? We all enjoy activities that are pleasurable. Pleasure makes us go, pain makes us stop. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wired us. It's the most elementary circuit, is when something is pleasant, we do it, and when something is unpleasant, we don't do it. But we confuse two different types of pleasant. There is passive pleasure. A person sits back, nice cool air conditioned room, he's got ice cream or something, and he's enjoying it. Does that pull us? The answer is yes. It's pleasant, and anything that's pleasant pulls us in. But somebody is practicing on a basketball court and he really feels he's got talent and he wants to make it happen. He drives himself in a hot sun, long hot days, and maybe a nasty coach pushing him to keep taking the shots he needs to. And a person does it day in, day out not because they have to, but there's also a pleasure. But it's a different type of pleasure. There's obviously a pleasure because we do it. A person's musically gifted, and he'll sit 
and sit, whether it's with a guitar, whether it's a violin, whether it's a piano, and he'll keep doing it. Why? Why? The answer is, we have two types of pleasures that feed into our pleasure mechanism. There is passive pleasures, and that is anything where I do nothing and I enjoy whatever's happening. We're watching a movie, we're eating something, there's something nice view outside. Those are things we do, but in a certain sense, if you think about it, it reinforces your passivity and you become more and more dull, less and less responsive. That's the reality of it. Then there's a pleasure when a person realizes himself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us into this world with potential. And the ultimate hardwiring is that whatever potential we have, as we realize it, it is the profound, profoundest sense of pleasure. So the fellow who's athletically gifted and he's working very hard, yes, he's working very hard, but he's bringing out something himself. He's perfecting his shot, his coordination, whatever it is. The person is musically gifted. As he works so hard, he begins to bring out something in himself, develop the talent, and that is um, an extraordinary pleasure. It's a very active pleasure. It's a pleasure of when we do something and bring something out. The difference is both of these have almost opposite tracks. The simple passive pleasure is the easiest one. It's the lowest hanging fruit on the pleasure tree. It's the one we reach for instinctively, but it's feedback. It's less and less as we go on. You eating the same thing becomes monotonous. Watching the same scenery becomes monotonous. Doing anything that's passive becomes less and less enjoyable and we become more and more dead as we do it. And that's why, God forbid, something like uh, drug addiction, it is the most pleasant sensation when it starts. And it ends with death. Where the person actually dies, physically not makes no difference, the person stops functioning, stops being a person. The other extreme is bringing out real talent in yourself is something that takes hard work and it starts by resistance because it's such hard work. As you progress, you become energized by it and you slowly become more and more and more alive. And I'm sure all of us, we've done something like that where it started with difficulty and it became more and more enjoyable as we succeeded, as we progressed. This is true of all talents that Gajpar gave us. But if there's anything more specific, ultimately, 
the ultimate talent that Kaddish Baruch gave us was Nishma Salikim, a spark of the divine. And the meaning of our life is to bring that to fruition. Now, how exactly does it, is it brought to fruition? So, there are two parts to that. There is, what is the ultimate goal? And what's necessary for it? Every one of us has a different neshama. And for some of us, the ultimate will be profound understanding of Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. Many of us have been blessed with deep emotions, with a neshama that will find itself by expressing the deepest emotion in tefillah, musically, in poetry. Some of us have extraordinary capabilities. We can make things happen. We can put together an event, a summer with a few hundred boys, and, and make it happen. And so on. These are, these are just Rashi Prakir. This is just, but each and every one of us has a slightly different Ishama that its ultimate potential finds itself in a different Ruchtistika way. What is also common is you need some of each part of Ruchnis. If you don't know what it's about, if you don't understand, you can't get there. If you don't feel and you don't live it to some degree, you're not there. If you don't do anything to express it in ways of helping, in ways of accomplishment and things like that, we're also not there. There is no model that does not include Seichel, Leiv, and Maisa. But the proportions and the different, the different combinations, that's very, very different for each person. I want to go back to the point we started with. Both of those examples of the Levium carrying the Aron and saying Shira, and the Parim, the Aksin, Aksin are the most physical animal in, in, when we want to describe a hulk of meat, of just strength, without feeling or, or anything fine, an axe is one of those um, one of those terms we use. They said Shira. Shira is an extremely uplifting expression. It requires depth of neshama. The Gemara uses a term. The Gemara says, Aron no se es no self. The Aron carries those who carry it. When, when the Levian carried the Aron, they weren't burdened by it. They were uplifted by it. And that's why both the Levian who said Shira, it was because they lifted the Aron, and the Purim who were able to say Shira is because they carried it. I want to take a few moments and apply it to, I think, what we could understand from this. 
sitting yourself down to learn is not easy. Um, rarely is the person who's a teenager and just wants to park himself next to Gemara and do it. It's, it is not the easy pleasure of life. But I think many of you have experienced in this being here that once you get into it, once you sweat and use your mind and try to understand, it lifts you up. It's possibly the first time you really had a sense of Aranosis Nosa, of that um, of that type of uplifting that you get because you work hard, not despite. It's the first time we realize that working hard, it's difficult going in, but it becomes a much deeper pleasure. If we can look back now and reflect, imagine if we would have spent this summer sitting at a beach and doing nothing. It would have been more quote-unquote pleasurable going in. It would have been quite debilitating going out. If we reflect, we spent six weeks doing nothing really. And how do you feel now after six weeks? The same thing is true with davening. It's easy not to daven. It's easy to roll into a shul at 10 o'clock, chat with a few people, and maybe stay for Kiddush. But how does it feel afterwards? Empty. A waste of time. But when you sit down and you force yourself to focus on the words and feel, evoke emotion, sort of um, play a little bit on, your, on, your, on the strands of your heart, and you begin to feel some depth in it, doesn't that become so much of a deeper satisfaction? And it's true about doing things that are right, doing mitzvahs, helping people, taking responsibility for, for tzibur. All of those are a prina of being no CSR. The, the, the most critical shift we'll ever make in our lives, or not, is not that we square off pleasures. We're not meant to square off pleasures, because that's really what motivates us. But the, the maturity of realizing the profound difference between the easy pleasure and the, and the, and the pleasure of bringing out potential. Today's life is technology and everything has made it super, super, super easy to take pleasure from doing nothing. But that type of pleasure reinforces the nothingness in us. Watching passively some silly movie makes us less and less and less intelligent, less and less spiritual, less and less us. We become just another blip on someone else's chart of how many people are, are watching something. Grabbing our lives in our hands, rolling up our sleeves and sweating to a purpose that we now understand what it is. The understanding of Emes and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the sensing and feeling of local arts Kvodo, the doing what we were sent this world to do. Once we sense the pleasure of that activity, 
with different people. This environment has been an extremely um, supportive environment where Be'ez Hashem, as we move back, we go back to the States, the environment is going to be less supportive. Remembering what it's like, finding ways to keep that alive and bringing that out in ourselves is key to a life of fulfillment and a life of real pleasure. Be'ez Hashem, all of us, myself included, we should take some of that tremendous time having tasted the sweet taste of the pleasure of accomplishment, let that be our guiding light. Let's learn to enjoy Yigiyas HaTorah, working to understand. Let us enjoy Yigiyas HaLev, working to feel and to experience in a deep way, and learning the Yigiyah of Dolomah Mitzvahs, and Asiyah of Dolomah Mitzvahs, let those pleasures be our guides and it's a shem for the year to come and the years to come. Batslach everyone. Amen.